Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the podcast called Getting to Know God. This is the place where we look to the scriptures and only the scriptures to know the one true living God of the Bible, letting him speak for himself through his word through the Psalms. I'm Brandon, also known as Pastor B-Side, and today we're going to look at the attributes of God as the Lord describes them in Psalm 5. The title of our study for today is called Morning Prayer. But real quick, before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that if you've been digging on these studies or the things I do as a ministry, please hit the like button, the share button, and make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. I know it sounds silly, but it really helps make sure that this teaching can be more easily found for the folks who need it. The more action and activity that social media sees, the more likely it is to recommend it to others. And that's what we want, right? At the end of it all, it really helps us bring glory to the Lord. Amen? So enough of that. Let's check these verses. In Psalm 5, the Bible says this, a Psalm of David, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me... I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Ooh, there's some stuff going on here, so let's break all this down. You know, God is good and is the source of all genuinely good things. The Bible teaches that God, by his grace, is willing to share the benefits of his goodness in the form of blessings. And we've been talking about that since we started. Fundamentally, God's blessings are rooted in salvation. It's impossible to receive anything of lasting goodness from God while living as an offense to him in sin as a normal habit of life. We have to receive his forgiveness before all other things if we want good things from God. Sin, it has to be dealt with. This means that the blessing from where all other blessings come from is forgiveness of sins, which is made possible by the one and only Jesus the Christ. While the scriptures teach that Jesus died for the sin of the world, this does not mean that everyone received the benefits of God's favor through his sacrifice. The scriptures are clear and specific to describe the people that are able to receive the grace of God and the blessings that he provides through that grace that come out of his forgiveness. The prayer of David in Psalm 5 is a good place to look 
in order to see a description of what a blessed person resembles. In order to know whether or not a person is qualified to receive God's blessing, Psalm 1 is a good place to start, but Psalm 5 ain't that bad either. This psalm is almost like David's morning prayer journal, which is kind of cool. As a prayer, Psalm 5 is reflective of God's Spirit inspiring David to speak truths back to God in communion with him. That's what all Spirit-filled prayer is. This means that Psalm 5 is actually God's explanation of his own perspective of who blessed people are being communicated through David's prayer. Pretty cool. The end of this psalm concludes by saying this, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Now, the rest of the psalm explains who the righteous are that actually receive God's blessings and also what that blessing looks like. David began by seeking the Lord, expressing his humility. In verses 1 through 2, David wrote, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. David didn't speak to God informally. David asked God to hear his words and his meditation. Now, the word meditation in this psalm refers to, uh, you could translate it, fervor in the mind, (laughs) right? So, in other words, David was passionately seeking God's attention about things that were heavy on his heart, but he did so with a certain attitude. David called God, my king and my God. This is not just a poetic statement that he wanted to use to sound cool in scripture. No, these descriptions of God set the tone for the rest of his prayer. And remember that the Holy Spirit is the one directing this. So as David's king, David was acknowledging God as the chief authority of all things, especially in his own life. It wasn't just that God was a king, but David was saying that he was the king of his own life. David called God his own king with a capital K, right? He was submitting himself to God's dominion, God's authority, God's kingdom, essentially. He was acknowledging that God was in charge of every facet of his life, but was also doing so with the attitude that he was okay with that. See, a lot of people know that God is in charge, but they're not really okay with that reality, right? So that's a tough dynamic for most people. Even though David was the king of God's people in Israel, David subjected himself to the authority of God as king of all other kings, including himself. So when David asked God to hear the things that were heavy on his heart, he did so with an attitude of fear, with honor and humility towards God, exalting God to a position higher than all others. So that's a good place to start any prayer, right? Secondly, David referred to the Lord as God, three English letters, right? Now, the original Hebrew word used in this portion of Scripture is Elohim. Now, this is the name of God that refers to two attributes of God. First, his supreme majesty, and then second, his triune identity as creator. When God first identified himself in Genesis 1-1, he used the name Elohim. Now, the rest of Genesis chapter 1 goes on to show how he created the universe— as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, working in three distinct forms, but with a unified objective as one God. So, though this is a common name for God, David referred to the Lord this way to emphasize the humility of his own heart. David was further exalting the Lord for who he is. 
He was not just David's king or lord or master and governor, but also David confessed that God was the creator of all things, which is why he was the lord, the king, the master, and governor. Now, some people call Jesus Lord and Savior, but they don't really obey him, right? Remembering that he's the creator and owner of all things and all people. David didn't have that problem here. David knew that God's authority is quite unique. The Lord is the triune majesty who is seated high above all created things, period, right? We could probably stop the study right there. So when David referred to God this way, It was to surrender himself to God's authority and subject himself to the supremacy of God's glory, God's majesty, his wisdom, and of course, his power. This is what the heart of a blessed person looks like, and this is the way that we should pray, right? Now, in verse 3, David wrote, "'My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up.'" So David told God that his voice would be the first thing that God heard in the morning, right? And that's, that's a pretty cool statement. This, of course, is poetic. David was simply illustrating that his pursuit of God was the priority of his life. Before doing anything else, David woke up and pursued God in prayer. The first part of David's day was filled with prayers that reflected the humility that we just discussed. David wanted to begin every day humbling himself before the Lord this way. That's the first thought he wanted to put in his mind so that the rest of the day was focused on achieving this desire, pursuing the Lord, right? David wasn't going to allow himself to go about his day without putting the idea in his head and in his heart that God is king and creator and owner of everything. If we aren't constantly remembering these simple truths, we can find ourselves operating throughout the day without having God in mind at all, taking matters into our own hands, leaning on our own understanding, trying to take life into our own hands, offending God all along the way. That's not a good thing. Forgetting that God is the king and creator is a good way to forget that no matter how things appear in our lives, we're just his servants given life in order to fulfill his purposes, not ours. Verse 3 says that David wanted to project his voice towards God. In other words, David wanted to make sure that the things that came out of his mouth were to honor God for who he is. David started the day desiring that God would influence his words so that David's words were praises to God throughout the day. Now, our words can be kind of crazy sometimes, right? David is showing that the standard here is that our words should serve to praise the Lord for who he is in some way, shape, or form, and only God can actually equip that ability. We can't just wake up and do that naturally. That's why David was asking God this way first thing in the morning. David also told God that he desired to look up. David was committed to depending on the Lord, not himself. David had the right desire to honor God, but was dependent on God to fulfill that desire. He didn't try to go about his day uh, practicing religious traditions and ordinances created by men, women, institutions, denominations, or even his own creative thinking, hoping that he would please God that way. Instead, David looked up. He went after the wisdom and power of his king and God to enable godliness and righteousness. That's what looking up refers to. He didn't trust in himself his personal habits, 
or his own creativity to seek the Lord and honor him. David went to the Lord for the ability to praise the Lord. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but yes, we need ability from the Lord in order to praise the Lord. This is what a blessed person understands, and this is what a blessed person looks like. We need to recognize that something as fundamental as praising God actually requires ability from God himself, if it's going to be done the right way in a way that he'll actually receive. And that's what we want, right? And by the way, the way other people respond to our praises is not an indication that God is pleased with our praises. David looked up to God, not out into a crowd. Very important to understand. David then described what a blessed person isn't in order to illustrate more of what a blessed person actually is. Verses 4 through 6 say, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. David desired to seek God as a priority of his life in order to praise God's character, his nature, and his integrity because David understood that God does not take pleasure in wickedness. Here, it's really important to notice the contrary ideas that are mentioned here. There's a big contrast. David's mention of wicked, evil, and proud people is intended to contrast his desire to exalt and praise the name of God. So this means that the wicked, evil, and proud people are people who don't praise the name of God in a manner that is pleasing to God. And by extension, these people are disqualified from receiving the benefits of God's blessings. David knew that God doesn't take pleasure in wickedness. God doesn't dwell with those who live in evil as the normal habit of their lives. Those who are prideful and boast in various ways are unable to stand in the sight of God because of the shame of their sin compared to the transcendent nature of God's holiness. When David made these three points, that's what he was emphasizing. He was emphasizing one of God's most basic attributes. God is holy. The glory and majesty of God's holiness is so intense that darkness, evil, and wickedness, as well as pride, are unable to exist in the immediate presence of the Lord which is the place where we should want to be, right? Because that's where Jesus is and where his blessings are. The brightness of God's glory totally consumes these things so that they don't even exist. The reason that David made the priority of his life to exalt God and praise him, depending on God himself to do so, was because David understood the consequences of living the alternative way. People who are indifferent and don't care about the glory of God's holiness are flat out rejected by God. People who ignore the beauty of God's majesty as our creator will be denied by God because it's rebellion against him. People who rebel against God's authority as king are eventually going to be destroyed by God, and that's the right and true and good thing according to God's word. Since God is holy, it's impossible 
for God to compromise in these areas. If David doesn't make it the focal point of his life to die to himself, humble himself, and exalt the name of the Lord as the habit of his life, then he ends up bearing the characteristics of the wicked who are going to be consumed by God, not blessed. That's not the place where he wanted to be, and that shouldn't be the place that we want to be, right? David knew that God one day will consume those who, what the text says, work iniquity to those who speak falsehood and those who are boastful. These descriptions of these people refer to those who are self-righteous, self-assured, self-empowered, and self-entitled. These descriptions refer to those who ignore God, deny God, are indifferent to God, and ultimately rebel against him, figuring that they can handle life all on their own. They boast in their own ability to handle life in their own way, doing what they think is right and good by their personal standards, chasing success by their own terms to maintain a blessed life, redefining blessed by their own definition according to personal affections and ambitions. This is why the Bible refers to them as those who speak in falsehood. Check this out. The Apostle Paul referred to this idea of self-righteousness as the lie in the book of Romans. The idea that we can satisfy ourselves is a lie. It's falsehood. The idea that we can empower ourselves is a lie. It's also falsehood. The idea that we can do anything we put our minds to, it's a lie. And we know it. It is falsehood. The idea that we can produce good that is equal to or greater than God's goodness is a lie. It is falsehood. Those who live their lives according to these philosophies and ideas are going to be destroyed unless they repent and believe in the only one that can save them from this natural sinful condition, and that is Jesus the Christ. These people don't trust in the King of Kings and Creator of all things. That's what the scriptures teach. One day, God will consume them by the glory of his holiness that they deny in their self-righteousness. David understood this principle of God's righteous judgments according to God's holiness based on what God taught of himself in the scriptures. This is why David's priority in life was to submit to God, even though David himself was an actual king, or at least anointed by God to be one at that point in time. To do differently put him at risk of being consumed by God's wrath. Those who are blessed understand this principle. Also notice that if you're living by this self-righteous attitude as a habit of life, you can't really praise God in a way where he'll actually receive that praise. Notice that while David prayed to God, trusting that God would hear his prayer on account of this humility, the same cannot be said that's true of those who live blinded by self-righteousness. It's falsehood, right? Sure, you can speak words to the sky or even point your head in an upward direction like David said he did, but there is a clear difference in Scripture here between those that consider God and his righteousness, and those that scripture describes as wicked. This is why David spoke of himself in such a contrast to the wicked. Verse 7 says, But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. See, David didn't want to trust in himself. He knew what that would produce. 
He wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord, the tabernacle of God, where the presence of the Lord dwelt, like physically, really, at that time in Israel's history. But David knew that his access to God's presence, even in the temporary tabernacle that existed in his day, was based on God's mercy. If not for God's mercy, David would not have had access to God in any way, shape, or form. None of us would. Here, David recognized that as a human, he was no different than the wicked. That's, we're one and the same. If we're human, we are by nature the wicked. We need God's mercy so that he would consider us something different and then be connected to his presence where the benefits of his blessings are. Now, David was also undeserving of dwelling in God's holy presence, and he knew that. Even though he was a king, David knew he had no business being able to connect with the creator of all things. I mean, think about that. David had access to these privileges because God's character is merciful and for no other reason. This is why David approached God with fear. He didn't pray to God pouring out his heart asking for a laundry list of personal stuff entitled to getting that stuff because God can, right? And sometimes that's how a lot of us pray, myself included. It's, it's a tough struggle. See, David approached the Lord seeking his mercy with the main objective to worship God. David wanted to speak well about God throughout the day, looking to the Lord for the ability to do so, and even leveraged the mercy of God to enable a connection to him in some way. That essentially was worship to God. Now here the context of worship refers to the laying down of David's self, right? In order to exalt the name of God. Notice how David prayed and didn't speak of his own personal desires, his own ambitions, or even his own needs. Based on his prayer, this was David's true need, to worship and praise God, being empowered by ability that only God can provide through the channel of his mercy. That was David's need. That needs to be our need also. So David was motivated to die to himself. He was motivated to depend on the Lord in order to seek the holy things that God was willing to give on account of his mercy. That's why he woke up so early to pray this way. David expressed his dependency towards God this way in verses 8 through 10. He says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. David asked God for his wisdom in order to know how to worship God in a manner that he was worthy of as the holy king of kings who created all things. David asked God for the ability to live according to God's own righteousness, which he described was being like straight ahead, not looking to the right or to the left, so that he wouldn't be led astray. David considered himself to be so weak and so unable without God's provision, without God's protection and his providential planning. And so he hoped that the Lord would make things simple and obvious for him. David understood his true nature as a sinner, again, referring to the wicked but not excluding himself from that group. And that's really important to understand. While David understood his true nature and what God does with the wicked, David did not exclude himself 
from that group of wickedness, even though he tried to differentiate himself by contrast. That's why he was asking for God's righteousness. David wanted things to be simple because he knew his natural habits were bound to complicate things. Why? David wrote that the wicked are not faithful by nature. As human beings, we're all conceived as sinners and by extension have no faith towards God of ourselves. And we have to understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not from our desire or inner resolve to believe as some people teach and suggest. Since it's impossible to please God without faith, we have to seek someone else besides ourselves in order to gain the faith that actually does please God. David understood this principle. All of God's blessed children understand this principle because this is one of the fundamental things that we learn by the Holy Spirit. David confessed that the issues of wicked people stem from the heart, writing that their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. Jesus explained this principle by saying that the wicked speak out of the abundance of our wicked hearts in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. David sought God's words in order to praise God rightly, according to his holiness, because he knew that of himself he had a wicked heart that was prone to speak wicked things that were offensive to God, reflecting his inner self-righteousness and pride, making him wicked like everyone else. The Apostle Paul later quoted these exact words from David in Romans 3.13 to testify that all people have these miserable traits that require a Savior. This is why David concluded the psalm the way that he did. In verses 11 and 12, David wrote, But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. So those who are blessed are those who have the Spirit of God, so that they're conformed into the image of God. This is the only way they were able to shun our corrupted human nature that's offensive to God, because we're not doing the shunning. The Spirit is separating us from that sinful nature because the Spirit of God is God, and God is the Lord who sanctifies us. David realized that God and God alone is able to provide this blessing. We can't praise God, worship God, honor God, or even thank God if not for God's supernatural and sovereign intervention in our lives. The Lord has to provoke the desire and provide the ability. That's what the Bible teaches. This is why David started his mornings expressing this sort of humility. If he didn't start his day like this, he would have been living in the likeness of his natural self as an offense to God. He didn't want that. Those who are truly blessed by God shouldn't want that either. Those who have been blessed by God should have the habit and objective to rejoice and shout for joy over the intervention that God orchestrates in our lives, changing the hearts of the humble and the contrite in order to provoke praises and worship that exalt his name to the place that he deserves. That's what the Bible teaches about the one that we know as God. But before I get out of here, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder to please take a second, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast, make sure that you share the link to this podcast in your social media stuff, 
and make sure you're letting people know about what we got going on here. We need all the people that we can to know the truth about God as it's written in the scriptures because we want the people to know the hope that the Lord wants to give to us. Don't keep people you know from hearing the truth and hope that they may need, whether believers or non-believers. We all have to hear and constantly be reminded of these truths. And also, keep in mind that all of the Bible teaching I do here is 100% listener-supported. This means that I depend on listeners like you to pay the bills for the tools that make this stuff available to you, as well as pay for all the time that it takes to study the Word and prepare to this degree. It's not easy. If this podcast is helpful to you and you value this sort of teaching and dig on the beats and the way that we do things here, please prayerfully consider sending a donation this way. We're a legit nonprofit. We have a 501c3 operating through our parent ministry called Proper Knowledge Ministries. You can check us out. If you'd like to partner in the work of the gospel that we're doing, you can visit www.pastorbside.com. It's B-side, like the flip side of a record. Hit the support tab when you get there and give any amount that you're able as the Lord leads. Every little bit helps, whether it's a lot or a little, it's all good. And if the Lord would lead you, maybe even consider partnering monthly with us, making your gift recurring. Kind of like tithing to a church because church is founded on the true teaching of the Bible and that's exactly what we do here. You all know that ministries like this need support just like any other. Regardless of whether we have the infrastructure with a pew and pulpits, doesn't make the job any easier, doesn't mean that there aren't needs just the same. And keep this in mind, for all the false teaching being shared out there, look, let's partner together and make a strong, strong effort to get more good teaching out there. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the study. I hope you were encouraged. I hope you dig the background beat. So until next time, peace out.